Thank you for listening to our podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray the words you hear today speak to you on a personal level and help bring you into a closer relationship with Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Father, we love you. We thank you that you're alive today. And we do not serve a God who is dead. Lord, that we don't have to walk by grave sites and know that you are still in there and hope that things will work out okay. God, that we can have the faith and assurance to walk by an empty grave. To be able to know that things will be okay. Whether here or one day with you, you win. So today, my prayer is that we would understand a little bit more about who you are. That God, you would come more real to us today than you've ever been. And that we would give you the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Preston. Good morning. Well, doesn't you do a great job? I mean, it's, I always look forward to coming here to hear clips and as much as anything else. So, it is a pleasure to get to be back. Dave, thanks for having me back. It's good to work with the three brothers. So, are they the three musketeers or the three stooges? Which way would you... No, I'm just kidding. I like giving them a hard time. They're a lot of fun, and I enjoy getting to spend time with them. If you have your Bible, look in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. Guys, you know, I was just kidding with you about the three stooges crack, right? Okay. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 15. As you're uh, turning there, let me tell you a little bit about our ministry, Sufficient Word Ministries. You can find us on the web at sufficientword.com. And uh, you can find out information about us there and keep in touch with us there. We write books and speak and teach in churches, uh, producing materials that can help the believer grow in their faith and share their faith as well. Also, we're on Facebook. If if you're a Facebook person, please go give us a like there on Facebook. Um, also, we, we talk about the gospel pretty regularly on our Facebook page, so it's an easy way for you to witness to your friends on Facebook if you want to share our posts. Um, that'll be a help to you as well. Also, just briefly about our books, we've got some books on helping you share your faith, helping you witness to your friends and family, and also these books will help you answer their questions or objections they might have about the gospel including our children's book on the gospel. And we have some books for discipleship. If you're interested in growing in your faith, we've got some books that help you understand God's will and how to endure difficult times and things like that. And all of our books are available on Amazon. You can go on Amazon if you do. Just uh, search with my name, Preston Condra, and they'll bring up all of our books. You can also order them anywhere books are sold. Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 16. Verses 13 through 15, I want to talk to you this morning about who Jesus Christ is. Let's pause and pray before we look at our passage. Father, we are grateful to you um, to get to worship together freely here in our country. We thank you that uh, amidst this uh, difficult time, we're getting back together again. And it's, it's so encouraging to get to be among believers and worshiping you together. 
we thank you for that. Thank you for that freedom here in our country to do that and pray that you preserve that. And we ask now, Lord, as we look into your word, that you will uh, enlighten our understanding to exactly who you are and who you are not. May we be clear on that and be able to clearly express that to people. Thank you for your mercy and your grace toward us and your loving kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? So I want to look at these questions from Jesus, and the way we're going to look at them and answer them is by seeing what the Bible says about him, okay? But I first want to look in answering those questions, because the first question he asked, who do men say that I am? So I want to show you what people say about Jesus today, some of the religions, okay? We're going to look at what several religions say about Jesus and what some famous people say about Jesus. We'll even also look at what some studies say the public says about Jesus as well. First one we want to look at here is what Islam says about Jesus. This is actually a quote here from the Quran. Okay? Here's what it says. That they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. You paying attention here, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear. Did you see that? Did you catch that? It was made to appear to them, and those who differ therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to a follow. Watch this. For of a surety they killed him not. Okay, hey, listen, as I quote these different religions, I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm not saying anything bad about the people. Okay, it's not, I'm not commentating on that. We're just going to see what they say about what the religions say about Jesus, okay? This doesn't speak for every Muslim, but most Muslims believe this, okay? Or some form of this, okay? Here's essentially what this, here's essentially what the, um, what many Muslims say about Jesus when it comes to his death, burial, and resurrection in particular. They say that there was actually an imposter, okay? So when it says here that it was made to appear that he was killed, that's where they think a, an imposter stepped in. Okay, that Jesus didn't actually die on that cross, someone else did. I was in, uh, I used to live in Dallas and work for a ministry called Watchman Fellowship. We had expertise on cults and new religions and Islam as well. We were teaching a course on Islam at Criswell College in Dallas. And so we wanted to visit with the imam of the Sunni mosque in Arlington. Okay, It's one of the biggest mosques actually in the United States. And shortly after September 11th, the uh, FBI actually raided this mosque because the imam at the time turned out to be Osama bin Laden's secretary. And so after September 11th, this imam fled to Dearborn, Michigan, and that's where the FBI arrested him. 
So they had a new imam in when we came in to visit them because we wanted him to come to our class and talk about Islamic history and then just answer questions from our students. And so we wanted to get a feel for what we were dealing with here before we had him come on campus, right? We don't want to bring a terrorist on campus, you know what I'm saying? And so we met him and uh, had lunch with him and his. he had a little 26-year-old protege from Jordan at the time. And I'll, I'll never forget this. We, we talked for four hours with Imam Hassan and his friend from Jordan. And we were at a little Mediterranean restaurant in Arlington where many it's a popular place for the Muslims in the community where they like to eat. And we came in. I was waiting in line. And um, I remember talking to this little protege from Jordan. And I don't know if he didn't understand social distance in America, you know, or if he's just real zealous for his faith. But he's standing right here, and he starts engaging me on the resurrection of Jesus. He says, Preston, you seem pretty intelligent for an American. For an American? What does that mean? I said, oh, okay, thank you. And he, uh, he said, do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes. He said, do you know how foolish that is? He said, that is the most ridiculous, ludicrous thing I could ever, anyone could ever believe. You're intelligent. Why would you believe that? Do you believe that? I said, I'm absolutely convinced of that. He said, why do you believe that? Don't you know there was an imposter? I said, hang on just a minute. Let me answer both of those. He said, why do you believe it? I said, well, you know, there are reasons... We believe this. We don't just nonchalantly say, okay, I accept it. No, it's not that at all. There are reasons we believe that. He said, like what? I said, let me ask you something. What happened to those Roman soldiers that day if there was an imposter? He said, what do you mean? I said, do you know what the penalty was for a Roman soldier to leave his post back in those days? He said, no. I said, it was death. Scholars say there's anywhere from 8 to 32 Roman soldiers guarding the tomb that day. Why would those guys have left the tomb if it was an imposter that died? I said, but you know what event would have driven even Roman soldiers off that day? Is that stone rolling away and Jesus walking out of that tomb? That would have freaked them out. And they would have left. I said, so that is one thing. That's very reasonable. I said, how about this? We have four historic written eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All written by eyewitnesses. The Apostle Paul, another eyewitness, says there were 500 plus eyewitnesses of his resurrection. Over 500 people saw him rise from the dead. That would, in any court case, be enough right there. How about this? Do you remember who the first people on the scene were when the resurrection happened? How many? Does anybody remember? Who were the first people to, 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 know, to be witnesses of the resurrection? Do you remember? It was the women. Now, if this had been made up about Jesus, they would not have written that the women were the first ones to see Jesus alive. You know why? Because women did not even have the standing in that day to appear in court. Women were barely valued above property in those days. 
Okay? Why do I mention that? Because it goes to the authenticity of the story. If they were making it up, they wouldn't include that. It'd be the heroes that were doing it. And by the way, let's talk about heroes for a minute. Peter's not exactly the poster child of a hero, would you say? He denied the Lord even before a child. Does that talk of a hero? You know what? You know something about the Bible, folks? It shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all there because it's authentic, it's true, including the resurrection. There are reasons we believe the resurrection. Oh, and by the way, if there was an imposter, where's the body? If there was an imposter, the Romans would have had political reasons to produce the body. The Jews would have had political reasons to produce the body. But neither one of them did. And do you think a guy like Peter would have gone to his death for something he knew was a lie? No. Do you see what I'm saying here? There's lots of reasons we believe in the resurrection. Because it's true. Let me say it again. It's true and it's real. Okay? Islam believes there is an imposter. How about the Mormon church? How many of you have ever visited with a Mormon? Maybe you've had the Mormon missionaries come to your house. I actually had two Mormon, grew up with two Mormon stepsisters, so I've been around Mormonism quite a bit my whole life. Does the Mormon church believe in Jesus? Yeah, they'll tell you they do. Are they sincere? I think they are. Can you be sincere and still be wrong? Yeah. I think in this case they are. Here's what the Mormon church says about Jesus. These are just a few things, okay? They say that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. Do you remember who Lucifer is? This means yes. That means no. Yeah, Satan. Lucifer. That should be enough. Would that be a red flag right there? Would that be enough right there to say, hey, that's... That's something different than what the Bible says. They also say he's our elder brother, that he was born of an actual physical sexual union between Mary and Heavenly Father, who Heavenly Father in Mormonism actually has a body of flesh and bones, just like any man, because he used to be a man who became a god. Um, and they say that Jesus actually became a god. Okay, so does that look anything like you've ever heard about Jesus from the Bible? Okay. That's what, the Mormon, that's what the Mormon church says about it. So if you ask them if they believe in Jesus just generically, they're going to say yes, but here's how they define that. Okay? How about Jehovah's Witnesses? Have you, how many of you have had a visit from the Jehovah's Witnesses? We have friends that are Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, I have to. I've talked to a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses. If you ask a Jehovah's Witness if they believe in Jesus, here's what they would say yes. Here's what they would say. They would say that he was just a perfect man. Okay? That he died on a torture stake and not on a cross. They're going to insist upon that. That his resurrection was spiritual but not physical. They deny a bodily res the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And they say he returned invisibly in 1914. Now, I'm just... Uh, I was educated in Oklahoma. Okay, so bear with me here. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Okay? But if he returned invisibly, how can you say he returned invisibly? You see what I'm saying? If he returned invisibly, how can you say he returned at all? You see? 
Here's really the real question for Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and this is what I asked them. In fact, they were at my house just a few months ago, and here's what I asked them real, real respectfully, kindly, and they were real nice. Okay. And I said, you know, I, I have looked into what the Watchtower says, and I do have a question for you. And they said, great, we'd like to answer. I said, okay, I appreciate that. And I asked them, can I, can I ask you my question? And they said, sure. And um, I said, well, I will be glad to listen to anything that you have to say, but I need this question answered. I said, okay, what is it? I said, uh, well, the Watchtower organization said the end of the world was going to come in 1914, 1918, 1925, and 1975, and 1995. But the world, end of the world never came. So why would I trust the Watchtower when it comes to who God is and heaven and hell? Why would I trust them for anything? If you can answer my question on that, I'll be glad to hear anything you have to say. See the question? It goes back to what they're producing. And so when it comes to what they say about Jesus, we can't trust that either. Right? See? But if you ask them if they believed in Jesus, they would say, yes, they do. How about um, L. Ron Hubbard? How many of you have heard of L. Ron Hubbard? He's the founder of the Church of Scientology. Here's what he has said about Jesus. Christ was fiction. And he said also... Neither Lord Buddha nor Jesus Christ were operating Thetans. According to the evidences, they were just a shade above clear. Those are two levels in Scientology. Uh, operating Thetan, that's the highest level you can get in, in Scientology. Okay, I'll just make it simple like that. Clear is a level right below that. So L. Ron Hubbard is basically saying he had reached that operating Thetan level, he said. So he's basically saying he's better than Jesus himself. Okay, That's what L. Ron Hubbard says about him. How about Louis Farrakhan? How many of you are familiar with Louis Farrakhan? He is the founder of the Nation of Islam. Right? Um, he uh, followed Malcolm X. Okay, Here's what he says uh, about Jesus Christ. He just said this last year, I believe, as a matter of fact. He said, God does not love this world. God never sent Jesus to die for this world. Jesus died because he was 2,000 years too soon to bring about the end of civilization of the Jews. But wasn't Jesus Jewish? Yeah, okay. He never was on no cross. There was no Calvary for that Jesus. Now here, that's all ridiculous that he says, but watch, look at this. I represent the Jesus and I am that Jesus. Wow. If I am not, take my life. Careful. If, if uh, you ask Farrakhan if he believed in Jesus, he would say he does. He's got a totally different concept. And by the way, let me just say this. I don't, I don't say this about many people, but he's just nuts, okay? I mean, he is certifiable. Um, I say that back in 1996, he was on Nightline with Ted Koppel. And he said there on national TV that the mother UFO ship was going to come and kill all the white people. Okay, so he's just really out there. All right. But if you asked him if he believed in Jesus, he would say yes, but this is what he means. Okay? How about Joel Osteen? What's Joel Osteen say about Jesus? Well, 
He was asked that very question on Larry King Live. Okay? If you like Joel Osteen, don't be upset with me. I'm just showing you what he said, okay? Um, Larry King asked Joel Osteen the same question he asked Joel Osteen's own dad, that he's asked Billy Graham, that he's asked Franklin Graham, that he's asked many high-profile Christian leaders. The question was, is Christ the only way of salvation? Here was Osteen's response. He said, I've spent a lot of time in India with Hindus with my father. I don't know a lot about their religion, but I know they love God. I've seen their sincerity. Here's really the answer to that question. I don't know. Okay, now let me ask you something. The question of, is Jesus the only way of salvation? Wouldn't you say, Cliff, that's a pretty basic question? Dave, that's a pretty basic, for any pastor, right? Right? I, I, and I would say for any deacon, for any Sunday school teacher, this should be a pretty basic question for any Christian. Okay? Joel Osteen, the pastor of one of the largest evangelical churches in the world, basically said, I don't know. Okay? Now, in fairness to Osteen, a few days later, after he had a lot of feedback, negative feedback, to his statement, he did come on his website and say he did affirm John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't feel the Father except by me. He did say that. But the damage had already been done. Millions of people had seen his initial response. Why would he do this? You know, I, I think it was nothing more than he was intimidated by political correctness, probably. He didn't want to seem offensive to people. Well, you know what? If the truth offends, I mean, we can't help that. So be it. It's another thing if I am the offense. Okay, if I had said, I believe Jesus is the only way of salvation, you're a stupid idiot, that would be me offending, not the truth offending, right? You see the difference? Well, we shouldn't fear political correctness. And by the way, there is nothing condemning for me to say that I believe Jesus is the only way of salvation. That doesn't condemn anybody. He's the one that said it. I'm just quoting him, okay? And I believe him. There's nothing offensive about that because I'm not condemning anybody. Don Lemon from CNN just the other day, or a few weeks ago, said, Jesus Christ, if that's who you believe in, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on earth. Don Lemon said that. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, if you asked her if she believed in Jesus, she would say yes. Here's what she says. One of the mistakes, it's a mistake, she says, that human beings make is that there is only one way. That there are many paths to what you call God. There couldn't possibly be just one way. It's that popular view that all roads lead to heaven is what Oprah is saying. Okay? Bono from the uh, famous band U2, he, was, he did an uh, interview with BBC a couple of years ago. And in that interview, the, they got on the issue of religion and spirituality. And one of the questions they asked him had to do with Jesus. And this was Bono's response. He said, the person of Christ is my way to understand God. Either he's the son of God or he was nuts. Now let's talk about this for a second. If you were talking to Bono, you don't, you don't have to answer out loud. If you were talking to Bono, what would you would would you have a follow-up question for Bono after he makes this statement? <clears throat> Just think about that. 
I would. Here's what I would want to ask Bono. Because what he said there, I mean, that sounds like something that, that I think I would say. Okay? Or I've heard other guys that I respect say. Okay? My question would be, Bono, what do you mean by my way? Do you mean it like Oprah means it? That Jesus is just one of many paths to God? Or do you mean it like he's the, on, he's the only way, therefore you accept him? That would be my question. If you see the entirety of the interview, I think he was, I think he was talking about it like we would, like we believe. Um, but if you ask Bono if he believed in Jesus, he tells you yes. What's the public say about Jesus? We've seen what some of the religions say. We've seen what some famous people say. What, we're answering that question. Remember, what do, who do men say that I am? Here's what the public says about Jesus. One of the things, Barna did a study back just a few years ago, I believe it was 2015. One of the questions in the study to the public was, did Jesus sin? 52% of the public says yes, that Jesus sinned while he was on earth. In another study Barna did, one of the questions in the study was, what do you think about Jesus? They asked that by saying, I think, I believe Jesus was. And 56% of the response was that Jesus was God. So in one study, you got people saying he's a sinner. In another study, you're saying Jesus is God. Now, what does all that suggest? To me, it suggests there's confusion out there about who Jesus is, okay? So... We've seen what men say about Jesus. What, well, what's the Bible say about Jesus? Well, in a nutshell, here's what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. That He was sinless. Okay? That He's the Savior from sin. That He's 100% man and He's 100% God. Yes. That He's virgin born. Yes. That He died physically, bodily on the cross for our sin. Yes that He rose from the dead on the third day, and that He's the only way of salvation. These are just some of the basic things, some of the critical, major, central, basic things about Jesus. Oh, and I didn't put it up here, but He's also coming back again someday. Okay? Those are the basic things we believe about Jesus Christ, that the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. You say, Preston, where does the Bible say He's sinless? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again written by an eyewitness, the Apostle Paul, says, For he has made him to be sin for us. By the way, that word for means on behalf of. It's where we get the idea of him dying in my place, in your place. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. There it is. Jesus knew no sin. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. The Bible is very clear on that. That's, this is one of the places it says that. Okay? How about, where does it say Jesus is the Savior from sin? Well, Jesus actually claimed that himself. Mark chapter 2, verse 5, he showed the action of a Savior when he said, My son, your sins are forgiven. He's offering forgiveness. That's what a Savior does. And he says in Matthew 16, verse 16, which was just a verse after, a verse later in the passage we read to start with, talking to Peter, he said, Peter's response to him, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus accepted that. You remember what Jesus' response to Peter was? That's right, Peter. You didn't come to that conclusion on your own. Right? He said, but you're right. He affirmed that. 
So Jesus, being the Savior from sin, He claimed it Himself. How about the fact that Jesus is God? Well, what did Jesus claimed it Himself. Look what He said in John chapter 10, verse 30. He said, I and the Father are one. And if you look in the context there, the people He was talking to, the Jewish leaders, they knew exactly what He meant. Because they were mad at Him for making that claim to be equal with God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. What does that suggest? Why, what is, why is that critical to who Jesus is? Because he's saying he existed before creation. You see? How about this? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 58, I say unto you before Abraham was born, I am. What's the significance there? What's, the old, what's, an, what's an, old title, an Old Testament title for God? The great I Am. If you look in the context there in John chapter 8, the people Jesus was talking to knew exactly what He was saying with that claim. It was Him saying He's the great I Am. How about this? Even, even Thomas. Now, what, who do we, how do we refer to Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Here's doubting Thomas's response to Jesus. My Lord and my God. You remember the story that happened there? When did Thomas say he would believe that Jesus rose from the dead if he saw what? His hands and his sides. So even the doubter came to the conclusion that Jesus is God. How about the one closest to Jesus, John? What does he say about him? Remember, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. That, when it says the Word there, that's a title for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was convinced that Jesus was God. He also says in verse 14 of John chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. He believed he was fully man and fully God. Okay? He's God in the flesh. He's God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Well, the Apostle Paul believed that too. In fact, you want to know the most description, the most graphic description of Jesus Christ in any literature? It's right here in Colossians chapter 1. I mean, this is graphic how Paul describes Jesus. And if there's any question about who Jesus is according to the Apostle Paul, this, this passage right here will clear that up. Look what he says here. Who has delivered us, talking about Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated, and actually that word translated in the original actually means to transfer. It means to move from one location to another location. Okay, And in this case, it's talking about moving from one kingdom to another kingdom. Okay, look what he says here. Has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Do you know, when you believe the gospel, listen to me, I'm almost done, okay? When you believe the gospel for the purpose of salvation, your location in God's mind changes from being in Adam to being in Christ. Yes. To being in the kingdom of Satan to being in God's kingdom from yep. being outside of the family of God to being in the family Just of God. Not, and that position never changes. Because after all, you can't be unborn. 
When you're born again, you're born into the family of God. Just as you're born into your physical family. Let's go on here. That word, very important, trans translated there. In whom, talking about Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood and doing good things and going to church and being baptized. No, 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 no. Just through His blood, right? Even the forgiveness of sins. The implication here is all sins. And I'll say this, if He can't forgive you of all of your sins, none of your sins are forgiven. Okay? So either Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins, or there's no way anybody can have all their sins forgiven. You see? And it's through His blood. Who is the image of the invisible God. Wow. You know what that word image means? I love this. Hang with me here. It's the Greek word icon. Literally in the Greek, it's icon. It's an ancient word that the ancient, the ancient philosopher Plato used to use to describe the sun's reflection in the water. In other words, Paul's saying, when you see Jesus Christ, you see God. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are putting your faith in God. He is God. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Ah, aha, they say he was born. That's not what that means. That word in the original actually means preeminent before creation. And in fact, it goes on and tells us that in the passage here. We'll see that in verse 17. It says, For by him were all things created that were in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, all, and that word all is there, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. There it says, right there. He's before all things, and by him all things consist or hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's talking about his resurrection. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Wow! That is a graphic description. That's who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. And if you had any more question about what the Apostle Paul thought of Jesus Christ, he goes on in chapter 2, verse 9, says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In other words, he's fully God and he's fully man. Okay? He's God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Does the Bible say Jesus was virgin born? Yes, it does. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we... Recite this verse around Christmas all the time, right? Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And there it is. He's virgin born. But it's, this also gets right to his deity. Because it says, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. He's virgin born, but he's also God in the flesh. Where does the Bible say Jesus died for our sins and rose again? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. This is the only place in the Bible where the gospel is fully stated. Thanks again for joining our podcast today. If you're in South Arkansas, we'd love to have you visit us. If you'd like more information on our church, please visit us on Facebook or our YouTube channel at Crossroads South Arkansas. I pray that as God pours his love and grace over you, it overflows onto those around you. God bless from Crossroads.